Hey, I am, I am Joe. I am not Terrell. Uh, just a little taller. Anyways, uh, uh, I am resident staff here at Grace. Uh, Terrell asked me to preach tonight. Uh, it's not exactly my like, best thing, so, so bear with me. Uh, I can be a little, I can jump around a little bit, try and follow me. Uh, anyways, I apologize for that. This is probably going to happen. I might lose you at some point. <clears throat> anyways, we're in John 17 still. Tonight, I'm going to finish John 17. Uh, we're going to be talking mostly about unity tonight. Uh, yeah, mostly about unity. Let me, uh, let me go ahead and pray real quick. Uh, Lord, would you be with us right now? Lord, I need you, uh, I need you with me. Uh, we need you here. Lord, I ask that you would uh, just speak to us, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would uh, just press, uh, press on our hearts. If there's anything uh, that you want to say to us, Lord, I pray that you would do that tonight. I pray you would use this time. Uh, I pray you would be with me and keep me from saying something uh, foolish uh, or something that's not from you. Uh, yeah, Lord, would you just be with us and would you... Uh, Lord, unite us and begin to break down pride that we have in our lives, Lord. We need you. Amen. All right, so we're in John 17, uh, starting in verse 20. We're going to read through the end of the. I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. So this is. Uh, this is the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus. He is praying for his disciples. It, it really, the section, it's kind of been broken up into three weeks. The first one was, was the beginning, the first six verses. Jesus is praying for himself. Uh, then till verse 19, he's praying for his disciples. And then here tonight in verse 20, uh, it changes a little. And Jesus actually prays for his future disciples, which is everybody here in this room. He is actually praying to God for you and me right here. Uh, anyways, let me read this. So it's going to be verse 20 through 26. Uh, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's, Jesus is saying, people who are going to believe through the apostles. Uh, verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I, get, I have given to them, that they, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me. That they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and love them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So we're going to be mostly, there's a lot in here, and I have to kind of like 
pick what I'm going to talk about out of all these things that Jesus says in here. Uh, and the main thing I'm going to talk about is unity. So the first thing out of Jesus' mouth when he prays for you and I, future disciples that he's never even met, is for us to be unified. It's the first thing he prays for uh, because, uh, because we are naturally divisive and he knows it. Uh, and it's, it's really what he, the main thing he addresses here, I believe it is, uh, for you and I. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what Paul is going to be dealing with, with the entire first church, with all these first church plants. Uh, they're all going to argue and bicker with each other uh, and choose sides and choose Apollos and choose Paul or somebody else or one way or another. And it hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Uh, we still deal with it in just in different ways, I'd say. Uh, <coughs> so... I want to, I'm going to do two things tonight. First, I'm going to talk about uh, how unity is kind of broken for us. And then the second section, I'm going to talk about how unity is brought back and what that's supposed to look like. So uh, I really believe uh, when Jesus prays for this, he knows uh, how we like to argue with each other. Uh, and how we like to choose sides. And we want to be so right. And so I think this breaks down uh, in two ways. Uh, the first one is really like denom- denominationally, uh, like different denominations, which there are thousands. There are thousands here. Uh, and that is, that is something that I don't, I'm going to touch on for just a minute because I don't think it's as prevalent for, for you, for this generation. Uh, I think this generation is slowly dropping that. It uh, does not care. You guys are at a non-denominational Bible church. Uh, and I work here, and I'm not even quite sure what that means. So it's, you know, there's, there's, there's different denominations, you know, Baptist and Methodist. And so there's been this big separation where everybody wants to hold on tightly to similar beliefs and stay with people in similar groups. And I really do believe that that's not what a lot of you guys are about, what most people in here are about. Uh, I would say it's, it's something that I've barely experienced. Uh, so within that, I, I've really only experienced I just want to touch on it for a second. I really only experienced it within, uh, like, church leaders who will, like, just berate or scoff. Uh, and I've done, it my, I've done it myself. I've used to, like, scoff people because of the way they interpreted a certain scripture. Uh, and I would say that it's, it's not how most of you guys act. Uh, but I've seen that in myself where I've just come against, in my mind, somebody who's, I can't believe they interpreted this verse that way. What an idiot. He has no idea what he's talking about. And I've... I've never even been to seminary, so I, I don't know either. So I'm just like judging somebody harshly uh, for something that they believe about Jesus, about a certain scripture. And really, it doesn't matter at all. But I think uh, you guys, and me as well, are willing to drop denominations, especially uh, when we're on mission. So a really good example of this, uh, I work uh, for City Impact in, in San Francisco also, and everybody comes there. Like every single denomination you've ever heard of has been there. Uh, and they're all coming to minister to this really poor area, and nobody cares who they are. It's like Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, non-denominational, every single Pentecostal group you can think of. The last time I was there, uh, the group that was there was Canadian Chinese Pentecostals. And it's like, I've seen everybody now. Uh, everybody's there Uh, and nobody cares this generation is willing to drop it because they love Jesus uh, and they want to reach people and so you're willing to drop that I really think you are and I hope that's what we do Uh, I do I do think that's going to happen so also at City Impact though so I would I would do that I would drop 
those feelings to work with these groups. I didn't care where you were from, what group you were with. But then when it came with somebody to somebody I knew personally and the way they interpreted scripture, I'd be like, man, I can't believe this guy does this. Like he thinks this says this in Romans? Like no, it doesn't. And I would, I would say that in my mind. I wouldn't say that to others necessarily or to him. Uh, I would say that to myself. And I would have this like pride about me that, hasn't, that shouldn't be there at all. Uh, and so that's where I want to talk about the section that really pertains to, to me uh, and to you, I believe. I believe, not everybody here, but you guys the most, this section uh, really of unity uh, that's broken up is actually not denominations, but is within this building actually, within each other. Uh, you're not saying this denomination's wrong, you're saying other people who are actually in your community are wrong, uh, which is really weird. Uh, and it's, it's divisive, and Jesus knows it, and he's praying for it, he already did. Uh, because people here in this room don't like other people uh, uh, because of a multitude of different reasons, and they're silly. And it's not necessarily because they interpret a verse or because of a different denomination. It's because they said something you didn't like, uh, and now you, you just don't want to even talk to them or ever see them. Uh, and I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just as guilty of that as well. And so it's always, when that happens, it is always a mix of something silly that happened with extreme pride. That's what it is, and that's what I've got. And so, and then I'll hold on to that and not want to talk to that person. I'll hold on to that and never want to work with that person. Or I'll say something to that person, and I'm nice about it. Uh, I'm nice to them, but inside I'm like, I'm bitter uh, and broken. And I think that that is something that is more prevalent uh, and I think that, not for everybody here, but it's prevalent here in this room. Uh, and it's simply a mix of, they've rubbed you the wrong way, and you're super prideful. Because you don't want to let that go. You just can't let that go. Uh, and that's, that's something I am, I am personally very guilty of. Uh, to give you, give you an example, uh, just... Uh, this is the way we are, how prideful I am. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm engaged to, to Emily, and the first... Uh, you know, for a long time, we were just like, oh, I love you so much, oh, so we never fought. Uh, but the first real fight we ever had, was even a fight, was over, like, the radio station. So we had to do several trips, to day trips to Dallas, so we're driving, like, seven, eight hours in a day. All these people are getting married. I'm jealous because it's not me, and I'm, like, listening to the radio. And so we would argue at some point over, like, what we're listening to. Uh, and then she would give me the silent treatment, which is absolutely horrible. Uh, it feels so bad, which is weird because I'm an introvert and I like silence. And it's good for about 20 minutes, and I look over and she's just like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. And so, and it's because I want to listen to what I want to listen to. And then we, we're, we're so, we're different in many different, in so many ways, and I want to listen to what I want to listen to, which actually probably nobody wants to listen to what I want to listen to. Nobody here. Uh, and so, and I just like, crank it up. And I, I just like let it ride for a long time, for like an hour of silence. And then I just can't handle it anymore. <clears throat> that's just like, a, I'm sorry, that's just like a personal confession. That's like a personal example of what, for me, pride looks like. And my guess is, is something similar for you where you've held on to something stupid like a radio station with somebody and now you don't really talk to this other person. Or you see them and you don't really want to talk to them. You see them and you're like, ah, screw that person. I'm like, hey, and that's, I think, I think that's what happens here. I, I do. You're laughing. You should repent. Uh, sorry. I'll try not to be. Uh, that was a joke, Jerry. Sorry. Uh, so 
anyway, so that's, that's some of how we do unity wrong. Uh, and because I'm not really good at preaching, I've got like a t- like bad segue into the next section. So I'm just going to talk about how unity should happen. Uh, and really, I'm just going to I'm just going to preach the gospel to you. So uh, it's a trick. Uh, so I'm actually going to talk about unity uh, and what that's like for for Jesus for God. Uh, so so Jesus is a part of the Trinity, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're in perfect unity together. They're in perfect unity uh, and always have been. And in this, in this chapter, he says, you, know, you love me before the foundation of the world. And so he's alluding to how he's always existed and how the Father's always loved Jesus. He's always loved him. Uh, he's always loved the Son, that third member of the Trinity. And to give you, to give you context for this chapter, Jesus is praying this with his disciples, and tomorrow, in this, he dies. So he's praying for unity, and then all of his disciples will scatter. And he'll be, he'll be whipped within an inch of his life, nearly die, he'll be beaten, spit on, scorn, and then they'll, they'll, they'll put him up against wood planks and run nails, just hammer nails through his wrists and through his feet, and then he'll be hanging there. And at one point while he's hanging there, he screams out, God, why have you done this to me? He screams that out, something very similar. Why have you done this to me? Uh, and I want to, I want to, so there's this breaking of this union that's beginning to happen, or that will happen when he dies. A member of the Trinity dies. And I want to, I want to at least begin to try and answer in a way Jesus' question that he has through the next day for God. He's hanging up there and says, why have you done this, God? Why did you do this to me? And I want to answer this. I want to try to. And because this is cross point, we're going to have to go to Genesis. So, uh, so there's this verse. Uh, you don't have to turn there. There's this verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, that I've been really meditating on for the last like year or so. Uh, I'll, try and, I'll try and say it. If I can't say it, I'll turn to it. It goes like something like this. It says, uh, the earth was void and without form, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And I thought a long time on that verse, and I, I still do. Uh, and I... <laughs> I remember I was walking down Market Street, this like main street in San Francisco, and I was just like, I'd been meditating on this, and I just, I asked myself, I was like, what are you doing? Like, what was he doing there? Like, there's, no, there's nothing. It's a ball of water, and the Spirit of God is flying over it, and I'm like, what is he, what is he doing? What is he doing there? And then he begins to, he begins to create. God begins to create. And you guys probably know some of that story. Uh, and he creates, he creates man. Uh, oh, there, was a, there was a wedding here yesterday, still jealous. Some friends got married, and Terrell, Terrell did, that, did that wedding. And every, every wedding I've ever been to does this reference to Adam and Eve, and Eve being like, made from Adam. So God is creating, uh, and then uh, he's made Adam, and he's looking for a suitable partner, and he can't find one on the whole planet. He can't find one. 
and then God puts him, God puts him to sleep uh, and pulls a rib out, pulls a rib out of him and makes a woman. Uh, and then Adam wakes up uh, and he's like, finally, there she is. Like, uh, what does he say? He says, uh, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Like, finally, there, there she is. And it's like, a, like this is who he's gonna be unified to, at least temporarily. Like, this is who he will, who he's gonna be with. Um, and it's, it's perfect. It's like this perfect union that's similar to God's. And so I, I say all that to try and point back to, I'm pointing back to Genesis, to creation, because I believe something similar happens on the cross. Something very similar, where Jesus is up there saying, why have you done this? And the answer is for you and me. And the answer is to actually bring us into this eternal relationship with God, this trinity that has been perfect. We are brought into it. It's the same reason the spirit of God is hovering over the waters is because he is looking for me. That's what he was doing. He was looking for you. Thousands of years ago, there was nothing here but water and darkness. He was looking for you. And in the same way, that a perfect partner for Adam, for man, is pulled out of his own ribs. This perfect partnership where we will be joined to God will be pulled out of Jesus' own side, out of his own bone and flesh and blood in the same or a similar manner where this union is born out of flesh. It'll be the same. It has been the same. And we are born out of that, out of Jesus losing his flesh and his blood and we will be unified by it. When I, when I die, uh, at some point, uh, I'll be resurrected and I'll go before God himself. I'll go before Jesus and the only thing, the only thing I'll have will be his blood. And hopefully he says something similar that Adam said to Eve and he'll say, there you are, finally, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, blood of my own blood that I poured out, there you are. And I will be a part of this unity. I'll be brought into this relationship. It's done by that. It's paid for uh, painfully. It's paid for in blood. And that's all, that's all I'll have whenever I'm there. That's all I'll ever have. And so that is how unity happens. That is God's example of how unity is brought forth out of flesh, out of this, that's how it happens. Unity is painful. Unity is not, was not fun for Jesus to bring us into unity, to bring us into the, this relationship with him. It was not easy. It was not at all. It's going to be horrific. That's how it's done. It's, it's done the same for us, where you've got to let some of this stuff die in you. It's got to. This pride, it's got to die. It's got to come out of your flesh. It has to. So, some of the, 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 my favorite, one of my, it's weird, one of my favorite things about my relationship with Emily is when we fight over stupid things like the radio and we're divided over things that are foolish and I'm super prideful, the best part about it is whenever I feel the Lord like working in me and being like, Joe, you're stupid, what are you doing? 
And he doesn't really whisper to me. But that's what happens. And I just realized, what have I done? What have I done? I'm so foolish. My flesh is like crying out because it's like, no, you turn the radio up. Uh, but that's, that's not going to turn it off. I've got to talk through it. I've got to apologize because I've been stupid. And I've got to let that go. And my favorite moments is when we pray and we let it go. And we both realize that we're stubborn and that it's probably my fault. Uh, seriously. And, it, and that's, that's the best moment. The reconciliation that happens uh, is just, and that's just like, that's here, that's earthly. That's simple. That's nothing compared to the reconciliation I'm going to have when Jesus says, there you are, flesh of my own flesh. That's, this is like, I get a small taste, and I love that, uh, of something that I'm going to experience in front of him. There you are. So, uh, anyway, so unity, if it's going to happen, we're going to have to let it go. Uh, to let go of a lot of stuff, and it's very difficult. 